Welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. This is a podcast to help men become fully alive by doing life together. We really do believe that as men, we do life better when we do life together with other men in groups, on teams, um, whether that's at work or sports teams or clubs or whatever it is. If you have a man who knows your story, knows what you are made to do in this world, knows what's going on in your life, you are going to be a better man. And that is not a natural tendency for men. We move toward independence. And so we have to make an effort um, to live life in relationships. But um, it's a big deal and it matters. So in light of being in relationship, as always, I am here with my very good friend, Doug Hurley. Good afternoon, Doug. How are you? Lean cuisine. Good to be here today. I'm doing well. Thanks. (laughs) Well, I probably should have introduced myself because I think I forgot to say my name. It is not Lean Cuisine. It's actually Lee Rogers. Lee. But I appreciate your creativity yes, uh, in finding a new name for me every, every time. single time. Today is going to be an amazing podcast. We have a guest with us, a man by the name of Kurt Candler. Do you have a special name for him also, Doug? Did you think of that? K-squared? K-squared. No, it's, <laughs> that's been done. Uh, that's been done. So that's not going to do. Special um, K. Doug, God. why don't you introduce your very good friend, Kurt Candler? Kurt is, uh, man, he is an amazing um, man of God, amazing husband, amazing friend, and uh, amazing executive director of an organization called 410 Bridge, and I'm going to let him walk through that in a minute. However, getting specific about 410, him and I did a mission trip within that organization, his organization, back in June to Kenya, mm-hmm. and it was incredible on yeah. so many fronts. I felt like I not only became such good friends with you, but uh, just grew so much in my faith by hanging out with you. It was amazing. Well, that's awesome. It's great to hear. Yeah. So this is our my brother, K-squared. Yeah, hey, I don't want to, I'm not like being facetious about this, but really what was amazing about the trip, just out of curiosity? Yeah, um, I'll give you a, a couple things. Um, one is... The guys that went on the trip with us mm-hmm. have never seen this before. Mm-hmm. In the military, being on a deployment, and I've been on a lot of short-term mission trips with the church, I've never seen this ever until this trip. Not one complaint. Yeah. Not oh, one quibble. True. Not one whiny comment from wow. any guy the entire 10, 9, 10 days that we were on yeah. this trip. And um, and we are going there to, to serve and to teach and to learn and all of that. So you're going in there with a positive attitude, but you're away from your family and it's tiring and it's it's outside your comfort zone. And so usually you're going to get like the quibble on sure. day three or four, not one. Wow. And that was amazing. And then the second thing that was such a win uh, and so cool is you go on those trips thinking that you're, you're going to pour out and give and provide. And, yeah, you're and welcome teach. world. You're welcome. Here you go. <laughs> Man, I learned way more on that trip. Uh than anything that I provided to the guys on the team or the people that we were there uh, to serve. So it was incredible. Wow. Yeah, and it was incredible for me uh, because um, it was a pilot. It was a test. We we actually took these guys out of the marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, in the marketplace ministry, and, um, and actually put them in businesses all day. So we have trained up people over there in entrepreneurship training, and then we take team members and we put them one-on-one in these businesses and they're there all day and they have plenty of opportunity to complain. A lot. A lot of opportunity. I mean, they're in businesses that are, they're making 
tea or delivering product watermelons and uh you know bags of rice and whatever whatever they whatever sure. the business owner does they do and they didn't complain once and it was fascinating to watch them connect with business owners over there talk about business talk about god in the marketplace it was it was really very special and what sorry now i'm getting all jazzed up and i'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. one more thing one more thing but that was so cool is you know the guys and me thought we we're going to go over there and we're going to teach these business owners what does it really look like to integrate your faith with your work and those people over there in Kenya yeah. are crushing it. Right. Like they're like, no, 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 no. What my business and what I do and the profits and revenues and everything that I have, this is a this is for God. And right. this wow. is about him. And it's like, huh. Don't know what I'm gonna do over the next ten days. I that think I I'll play. take some notes. Yeah, right. <laughs> their their businesses are answered prayers. Hmm. And so Gosh. they incorporate God into everything that they do in their business and we actually learn so much more from them because they're walking it every day in faith. Uh, in these businesses that we can't even relate to uh, over here. That so is so cool. So Lee, when, uh, when, when are we going to go? You need to go. Yeah, let's go. I need to figure that out. Honestly, I, I love the idea of going on a trip and have had a couple opportunities recently. Um, but my, my thing right now where I keep landing and it may be time is if I can't go with my wife or one of my kids, then, um, then I'm not going. And, um, and my oldest is 14 now and, uh, yeah, I think we're ready to go. Oh yeah. My kids went, went, when they were eight and nine and 10, the first that's time. Amazing. So. I'm ready. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. October. I'm um, taking, well, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. We're, lead, we're yeah. leading a bunch of groups, yeah. a bunch men's, of men's yeah. groups over there for the same thing Yep. on that uh, mission trip. Now we Canada. only need 49 more people cause Lee's going to go. <laughs> yeah. So when I say let's go, I don't mean like, let's put a date on the calendar right now. <laughs> Let's talk more about this. The two, um, you the, know, my wife listens to these podcasts, <laughs> the two reds K squared. I'm oh, sorry. No, special that's K. Let's, no, let's not go there. Let's and, not validate. And Dougie do. I don't know what my nickname is that you have for me. The two reds that just totally rough. cornered the yeah. green guy. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're scared, Lee, just say you're scared. And we'll, yeah. We'll that's amazing. Up. See, this is how it happens. <laughs> this is men fronting and flexing in front of each other. Mm. So anyway, getting to the topic of today, we are going to talk about this idea that I know is passionate to you, Kurt, about activating men. I love this um, little phrase that you said just a second ago of moving from a noun to a verb, moving the word. What What is the word we're moving from a noun to a verb? Is it the word man? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, my experience is that men particularly are comfortable being a Christian noun and mm -hmm. how do we move them to a place where they're actually out in the world doing something. And, you know, oftentimes that sounds a little judgmental. I don't, I don't mean to be judgmental, sure. but I'm pretty passionate about, uh, and part of my story is, is moving from a place of, okay, my way is not working. Um, tell me the next right thing to go do and I'll just go do that. But it means you got to go do it. Yeah. Um, and that's the verb part. And wow. I think it's very different than just sitting back and saying, well, I'm a believer. Um, my family seems to be in order. I love my job and just being comfortable being, being a Christian without actually doing something with your faith. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, and just even go in that direction for context for us, if you don't mind, I mean, Tell us from the beginning, what, what is your story? Where are you from? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I was born and raised, I'm a Yankee cheesehead by mm. birth. So, mm. uh, you know, once a Packer fan, always a Packer fan, but, uh, anyway, I was born and raised in Wisconsin and I, I grew up in a Christian home. 
I would say in hindsight, it was a nominal Christian home. I went sure. to a private little Lutheran school in a little town in Wisconsin. And uh, so I knew about God. I knew kind of all the Bible stories, all of that. Left uh, Wisconsin, moved to Florida, and um, you know, slowly eroded away from my faith. I think I tried, I stuck with it through kind of, you know, middle school, then high school happens, college happens, and it's the same story you've heard a thousand times. But, but um, um, long and short of it is, I met my wife, she was not a believer. She did not grow up in a Christian home. And uh, when our first child was born, um, some people were uh, beginning to walk her through um uh, the Bible and walk her through uh, a version of the Bible. <laughs> and it was uh, in direct conflict with um, kind of some things that I thought were true. And it really challenged me mm. to um, be the spiritual leader of my home and get mm. with her and make sure that we were aligned. And I won't go into all the details of that, but we did. And uh, really super great, grateful. Got, you guys got aligned. Yeah, you we got aligned. aligned. Yeah. And uh, recognized that we put God first in our marriage. And, um, and it's been awesome. I'm married to an amazing, amazing woman. But I have always been, uh, I'm a business guy. I'm not a ministry guy. I I guess I'm a ministry guy now because I've been doing this for a dozen years or so. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. wait. Everybody that's listening is in ministry. You just touched a hot button for Doug. All right. right. Thanks, Doug. Um, But I'm a business guy. Um, And uh, my last business uh, didn't survive 9-11. Uh, and I found myself, um, having to lay off about 46 or so Mm. people. Um, um, and I was working out of my basement. It's the time of my life that I call, uh, our dark times, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, um, not really a market for out of work, uh, CEOs of small mid-sized marketing companies and, um, working Mm -hmm. on my basement, trying to cobble together a living. And I kind of called this, you know, time, our dark times. And um, at the time, our kids were going to a very small little Christian school in uh, here just outside of Atlanta in a suburb. And um, it was a classic Christian education school, and they were doing a mission kind of a thing, uh, a service project for an organization out of Uganda. And I didn't really care about that, wasn't interested in any of that. Um, I had bigger fish to fry at the time. And they did these little shoebox deals, right, where you put little toys or school supplies or whatever in this shoebox. And one of the families in this school um, boxed up all these shoeboxes and they were going to take them to Uganda um, and give them to these kids in some place in the middle of Uganda. And they came back and I found them in my home having a dessert and coffee, um, looking at pictures of their family's mission trip to Uganda. And again, I mean, you know, frankly, I just didn't, I just didn't care. I didn't, it was not on my radar at all until he showed this one photo of a small school building made out of mud and sticks and cow dung and kids were sitting on dirt floors on rocks and there was no teacher, there was no supplies, school supplies. And about 90 kids went to this one room classroom building and they said every time it rained, the walls would crumble and they needed to repack the walls with mud and sticks wow. and cow dung and all that. Godly. And my response, typical American response was, you know, that just seems kind of silly to me. Um, <laughs> why don't they just build a brick building? I mean, I'm pretty handy. Sure. I can build things. It's not hard to build a brick building, really. I mean, why don't they do that? <clears throat> That's not just a very American answer. That's a very Kurt answer. Oh, is that, is that a Kurt answer? <laughs> like, uh, come on, like, let's go do this. Let's go do it. Yeah. Let, let me get in your head just a little bit of where you were as as this is sort of, um, I don't know, instigating something in you. When you say a dark time, was that, I mean, was that dark financially or were you asking spiritual questions at the time of like, seriously, God, well, what's going on? Well, you know, on? in the temperament deal, 
you know, I'm red, I'm red, red, red. And sure. so, you know, it, it, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a doer, right. I go and my wife says oftentimes I remind her of this big boat barreling through the water and every once in a while it's good for me just to kind of look behind me and see the wake lapping up on the shore. Right. But so I've always been go on go and just go do. And, yeah. um, when you think that way, oftentimes red, uh, thinks that, you know, I'm in, I'm in control. And, um, and that maybe dark you get times, your value from oh, yeah. the doing as yeah, well. All identity, value, sure, all of that. Yeah. I think, um, um, yeah, so I, I, uh, the dark times for me were, um, asking a lot of questions spiritually. I mean, I was a believer, um, was in small group, was in men's group, um, uh, going to church all the time. Kids were in private Christian school, all of that. And, uh, the, the moment that, so I, so I guess I would say it this way. I thought that I was a believer. Right. Uh, until ah, two o'clock in the morning, one morning, uh, I'm laying in bed freaked because nothing's working. You know, mm-hmm. it's your wilderness walk. It's oh, yeah. everything that you do uh, it, it just doesn't seem like, any, well, it doesn't seem like anything's working. Dark night of the soul. And I got out of bed and I got on my knees and I said, uh, God, you know, you promised the peace that will transcend all understanding. I need some of that right now because I'm freaking out. Wow. And um, I'm laying next to a woman who I know loves me but I'm not sure she likes me too much because I'm not really all that likable right now. Yeah. And I said, um, I realized that there was a difference. A friend of mine uh, told me one time, he says, there's a difference between uh, declaring that Jesus is Lord and allowing him to Lord over your life. And I think I had declared that Jesus was Lord, but I wasn't allowing him to Lord over my life. So I just literally turned it over to him and I said, just give me the next right thing to go do and I'll go do that. Wow. Just tell me what it is and I'll go do that because really I have no idea what to do. And for a red, Doug, wow. you can relate, uh, for a red to not know what the next right thing to go do is, is really tough. I mean, I mean, I don't know if that even relates to some guys, but it, for me, it's really difficult not to have that answer. Guys like you and me not saying it's right, but we feel like we have an answer for just about everything. Yeah, and that's what kind of motivates me, right? I just want the responsibility to make the decisions and uh, then be held responsible for those decisions. And I've always got a, always got an idea, yep. right? Well, and I think even as men, we even being a, a green or yellow green um, in the temperament, which is a little more peaceful, a little more fun, a little more enjoyable, I like to say, than, than some <laughs> reds. But anyway. You kind of looked at even, Kurt even, really funny when you just said that, by the way. Kurt's even like. I'm looking like you're like, that's enjoyable? Yeah, I'll give you, I'll tell you what's enjoyable. Even, <laughs> even with a completely different temperament, though, um, as men, we do, we want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to provide. We want, something in us wants to work. You know, we all want to work enough so that we don't have to work. But at the same time, we don't want to be stuck not working. We don't want to be desperate or desolate or not know the next step for do sure. We? Yeah. Uh, sometimes I wonder if we want to do what's comfortable and how far out of, of a man's comfort zone are they willing to go? And, um, you know, in doing the next right thing, if you know the next right thing to go do, sometimes it gets really uncomfortable. Um, it could be in repairing a relationship. It could be talk, a conversation with your wife. It could be a career move. It could be a relationship that needs to either end or, you know, it could be difficult. Yeah, that's Are we comfortable good. with doing that? That's a really good point. We, we can easily fall into the trap of, um, yeah, just doing what's easy. Um, but, but still feels like we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, right. And so we that's rationalize true. that that's okay. 
Yeah, that's a great point. So you're there two o'clock in the morning ish, yeah. and you say, "I'm giving this up um, to the Lord." Yeah, is, I mean, really, my way's clearly not working. You're and uh, just you're just Lord tell of my me life. the next right thing to go do. I will. I'll trust you with the results. Um, and so, um, I mean, I know it sounds hokey. I mean, I mean, I'm just a guy. I, I, I'm not a minister. I mean, I'm, I'm just not, I'm just a guy. And I know it sounds hokey to say, well, I woke up the next morning and you know, there was a piece that I could not, I couldn't explain. Nothing's changed in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's still a dumpster fire financially. Uh, it's just a dumpster fire. Just still working in the basement, still, still working in the let basement, go the 46 to, right. people. That's all that. So then it's fast there. forward to this little coffee and dessert in our home with this family that went to Uganda and I see this picture of this school building and I, um, the next morning, uh, I was in my quiet time on my office and I don't know about you guys, but you know, when you are in those dark times, uh, it's when for me, I was the closest to God when I was really leaning into him every day and I'm, I'm, I'm jealous for those times. And it's a fascinating conversation in your head of why that is the case. Why is it not the case today as it was back then? But and when you're really desperate, you're leaning into him in, in a heavy way. And I remember that morning praying. I said, God, I'll tell you what. He loves it, you know, when we negotiate. <clears throat> I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, when I get my business <laughs> back in great. order. Yeah. Hey, God, um, yeah. let me tell you I what I'll do for, for you. you. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like a two-year-old making a deal with his dad. Yeah. He's like, dad, it's very like that. Here, here's what's going to happen. I want the candy. You have the candy. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, here's what I'll do. Um, as soon as I get my business back on track, start making some money again, I would incur a lot of debt to keep the business afloat that I'd personally guaranteed, you know, the brilliant move. Um, let's just get that debt paid down, get my kids back in private school, uh, you know, write the ship, write the career. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over there and I'm going to build those kids a brick building. And I knew... Immediately, it was immediate. You know, the heavens didn't open and angels sang anything, but there's no dark voice that said, Kurt, you know, you should. But I knew immediately that I had it backward, that I should go serve him and his kingdom first. And all this other mess, this dumpster fire, uh, much to my own making, he would walk with me through that. Um, but that wasn't the next right thing to go focus mm. on. The next right thing to go do was to go. <laughs> build these kids a brick building in Uganda. I mean, are you serious? Really? I mean, that's wow. the next right thing to do. But you know when it's undeniable? I don't know if you've had that. Yep. But when there is a convicting time, a, a defining moment where it's undeniable, you're only fooling yourself and you're not fooling God and there's no one else around, you just know. That was one of those moments for me. Mm. And um, Wow. So that made for a very interesting conversation upstairs. Yeah, that can be, that's scary. And- can be. And be, cool. And it can like be to remarkable, that, too. That clarity to have that, like where you're getting that pull. The scary yeah. part isn't you need to go build a building. The scary part is I got to go explain to other people, my wife being one of them. <laughs> right. Uh, friends. I don't know how to go build a brick building in Uganda. I don't know the right. first thing about that. Why, why would it be that? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I even sit here and explain. I, I, I'm afraid guys just roll their eyes and, and go, well, that guy's, that guy's just crazy. But that's what happened. So I said, honey, guess what? Uh, I was down there praying uh, today. And uh, you remember that picture of that brick building? I think, I think I'm supposed to go do that. Um, 
And Erica, That's amazing. Erica my wife. looked at you and she said, <laughs> did she really? say anything? Or, uh, or I don't, you know, I don't know if it actually, in hindsight, I think I went and talked to my buddy Dave who delivered all those boxes with Wise his family. Man. First time, first. And I say, hey, look, man, it was just, that's what happened. I said, look, um, I was praying this morning, told him the whole story. And he says, well, that's interesting because just this morning I got an email from the guy that runs the ministry in Uganda saying that that community was praying for someone to come over and build them a brick building for their. Come <laughs> on. And he says, you don't, his exact words were, you know, look, you don't have to hit me in the head with a two by four. I'll help you. I'll set wow. up the administration. We'll set up a fund. You go start and raise money to go do this and I'll help you go do it. Um, from an administrative perspective. And so he did. And, uh, Again, I have no idea. Well, you know, what does a brick building in Uganda cost? I mean, you guys have any idea? I mean, I didn't. Zero idea. Right. And so I had to go just do the next right thing. And wow. so then I went home and I told uh, Erica. And, and she said, well, do the next right thing. Start raising money and um, find out how much it costs and what other steps to go do that. And uh, uh, she's amazing. And uh, so I did. Uh, turned out it cost about $10,000 for this small little building. And it turned out we needed 10000 for that and 10000 for water and 10000 for electricity and 10000 for a road. And, ah, man, I don't, whatever. It took me 18 months to raise ten grand. I should have prayed for more wealthy friends. Uh, <laughs> but um, September of, I guess, 2005, I guess, uh, had raised $10,000. Wow. And um, um, decided, look, that's what he's asked me to go do. Uh, cashed in a bunch of frequent flyer miles. My three kids and my wife and I decided we'd go over Christmas break. And at that Christmas break, we went to Uganda. And without a church, without anything, I mean, just us. Wow. So when you said your kids were 8, 9, and 10, yeah. was that the trip? That was that, that, was trip. that yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you can imagine what your family thinks. I mean, guys our age, I don't know how old you are, Lee, but when we think Uganda, what do you think of? What's the first Dirt. Thing? Dirt. <laughs> no, no good. Well, the thing in my family, my, my generation is, is you think Idi Amin. Now, for most guys, you have to Google that, but you know he was a he was a dictator. He was ruthless, right? And um, and you're taking your family over there, uh, <laughs> taking our grandchildren over there. I mean, you can imagine all the conversations oh, that yeah. were there to to deter it. But that's what we did. And so by the time Christmas rolled around, uh, we had raised actually about thirty thousand dollars, which was great. And we were able to do all sorts of things over there that I didn't think we were going to be able to do. We went. We were there for a couple weeks, maybe two and a half weeks. Uh, built the building. And about two or three days into that adventure, um, I was looking around and realizing that uh, what we were doing was of no moment. It was a really small drop in a really big bucket. Mm -hmm. I was pretty frustrated. I thought we were going to go over there and make this generational impact with a school building for generations. And, well, man, uh, I'm looking at all the aid money that I can see driving around in the best vehicles, and I'm uh, realizing that it has nothing to do with the problems that I saw, it was my first exposure to kind of extreme poverty. Nothing that we were doing was really impacting that. And it had everything to do back then with what I said was people's perspectives. People's perspectives needed to change. What is, why do they think the way that they think? Why are men sitting around doing nothing? Why are the women doing everything? Why are there no teachers? Why is nobody working? Why all these right. very American kind of Western questions? And we made every mistake in the book. We gave stuff away, clothes, toothbrushes, shoes, school books. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, and, and with that, we could have a whole podcast just about that because a lot of people could. who haven't read, you know. Um, when Helping Hurts. When Helping Hurts or yeah. Toxic, mm -hmm. toxic uh, Charity, yeah, charity mm -hmm. any of those books or been on a mission trip 
with 410 Bridge or through Global X at North Point may not understand that. But it's good intentions when you're giving stuff away, but it's really, there's some enabling going on and it's really not getting at the core of some of those problems. And we see the problem as a material problem. Um, uh, The poverty problem we see as a material problem, and I don't believe it is a material problem. But nonetheless, we... We as Westerners. Westerners, right. right? And I'll make it into that a little bit later, but... Yeah, so um, came back um, and felt like uh, we had made a, we had a made an impact. It was a transformational experience, certainly for my family. God redeemed it. Uh, you know, when parents are or when they're, when your kids see your parents working outside of a comfort zone for everybody and being selfless selfless in, in a in a way that they hadn't seen before. Uh, in an environment that's very uncomfortable um, or can be uncomfortable, you know, it changes the family dynamic. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and for our family, in a very positive way, I thought. Um, I think it also yeah. introduces your kids to a bigger story. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's m- so much more to live for than than maybe they've even thought about um, to that point, which is, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think for our kids... Uh, I should ask them this actually, you know, they're in their mid twenties now, but, um, you know, at eight, nine and 10, what were you thinking about? Sure. And I think for me anyway, I'm, I'm guessing that they more saw mom interacting with women in their homes, uh, in a very, again, um, outside your comfort zone kind of environment. There's, you know, dad's throwing bricks around and working and, and, um, serving and I just see, think they see they saw Erica and I differently sure. than the kind of Alpharetta Georgia suburban parents you know raising their kids absolutely and so now I'm thinking so one um you come home what do you what do you do with all that two um you know at, after that what do you what do you look back and think um gosh I wish I had done this quicker or I wish I had been aware of this and before we get into that, because I'm dying to share mine, we have oh. a session or a section of this podcast that we like to call <laughs> Man Hacks. That was amazing, Doug. Well done. So what is a man hack? A man hack is anything that you can do to make your life better. A little tip, a little trick um, that we want to pass on to the listener um, as a as a service, Doug, what what's your man hack for today? Oh, we have a theme of man hacks today around the idea of pool noodles. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are aware, but there we were just talking about it. There are many yeah. uses of the pool it's noodle like Swiss Army to knife. make your life better. It's the Swiss Army <laughs> knife of flotation devices. Um, Doug, what is your pool noodle man hack? Pool noodle man hack would be uh, I'm going to borrow from a friend. And it's to use them on a ladder to cushion your knees. So you cut it open and you put them on all the rungs in the ladder. And if you got to sit there in pain or work on a gutter or something like that, it's like a knee pad. Exactly. You just got to make sure it's secure. So just you don't not slip on the that. rung you're stepping on, or surely you will die. You would die. Yeah. You, and you just fell off a ladder I did. recently. Yeah. I did. It's a proud moment. <laughs> was it, did you slip How on high a, was the did ladder? Did you slip on a noodle? Uh, it was a step ladder. It was about, uh, I think it was an eight foot ladder. Ah. <sighs> Fell about six feet. Yeah, no, no, we don't want. I don't know how much we want to talk about there, but you know, did you slip con- on a noodle? On no, 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 okay, no. Okay. This was a step ladder, so you didn't really need the noodle. Your your idea of the noodle that's brilliant because if you're painting a house or cleaning gutters, your knees kind of lean on that rung, and it hurt, and it hurts. Yeah. Oh yeah. You All right, Kurt, what's your pulled noodle man hack? Um. Well, I would say you know, uh, 
I, I drive a pickup truck, but my wife uh, drives an SUV. And so the back door, you know, of the SUV, whenever she kind of comes into the garage, she lifts that back door up, it always hits the garage door. So you Every time. Cool. Yeah. Every time. And then it, you know, messes with the windshield wiper or the oh, yeah. paint or whatever. So you take a, a pool noodle and you put it on the last kind of metal brace of the garage door. Yeah. And kind of pad it so you can not worry about your, your garage door. I exactly door. have that picture in my head right yeah, now. That's that, good. That, that works. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm doing that. Me too. Um, all right. This Our is Buick my... Enclave has, it's not only jacked up the car, it's, oh, yeah. it's messed up the garage door. Like it's kind of like dented. A can bit. you still buy a Buick? Yeah, two, well, I was a 2010. Oh, okay. 10 years old. Oh. Congrats on that Buick. Um, <laughs> so my pool noodle man hack is in the camper that that we had um, till very recently, It uh, around the bed, there were these cabinets, these faux wood cabinets, beautiful camper cabinets inside this pull-behind camper. But they had the sharpest corners in the entire world. If you woke up in the middle of the night trying to get out of that camper in the dark to go pee, bad news. A pool noodle, cut cut a quarter out of the pool noodle, get some double sticky tape on that corner, lifesaver. Brilliant. Absolute lifesaver. It's the pool noodle pad, man hack. I got a vision for that too. I can see. I bet that's aesthetic too. I bet your wife would uh, love yeah, that. It's absolutely beautiful. And this is a little something that we like to call <laughs> man hacks. So just for the record, we're going back to you next time. You're way better at teeing up man hacks than I am. <laughs> Am Everybody I right? gets a chance. Yeah, it's okay. I'm, I'm right. Experience. I've done it more times. All right. Okay, so jumping back in, we were just about to find out from you, Kurt. Um, so you get back, you have this epiphany, you go do something in Africa. Um, you're sort of waking up um, to, to what God's doing in different places. But you come back, and, and what do you do? What do you do with all that? Yeah, well— uh, at that time, um, by that time, I had been now out of my basement. I had to actually go get a job, <clears throat> and I don't, I don't make a very good employee, I don't think. Uh, and um, I was just uh, had a holy discontent around this idea of how to go address an extreme poverty problem that uh, just made me very unsettled. I just felt like I knew something about that. I don't know anything about that, but I, I felt like I was really drawn to mm. trying to figure that out. Could you shake way. it. And so, um, uh, I was introduced to a guy here in Atlanta. Uh, the name here probably rings a bell, but Lanny Donahoe. Oh yeah. And Lanny, um, at the time was in youth ministry and, um, we were connected and went and had dinner with, with Lanny. And he said, Kurt, what are you, what are you doing? And I told him what I was doing in Uganda and I thought I had plans to go and kind of expand this school facility in some way, but I was just unsettled about that. That didn't feel like that was necessarily the next right thing to go do. So I was praying through that. And, um, I said, why, you know, why, what are you, what are you doing? And he said, well, I stand up in front of, uh, thousands and thousands of people every year, hundreds of churches. And God has gifted me with the ability to get them excited around a particular thing. And I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something in East Africa. I don't know what it is. He says, but I was just thinking, I, I didn't want to go and create an organization that did the same thing that everyone else does. Um, what if we were able to get, and he, it was interesting at that dinner because he started using the second person. The, I, I guess second person is we, right? Yeah. The we. Yeah. He says, um, 
you know, what if we were able to get those tens of thousands of people, those hundreds and hundreds of churches to focus on one place? Do you think we could move the needle in that place? I mean, no fool and move the needle in that Mm -hmm. place so that places around the place that we were working took notice and they said, see you know, why it. is they it see the impact. Yeah. Right. Why is it different? Why are the kids healthier? Why are they better educated? Why do they have water? Why are there churches fuller? Why do they have more economic opportunity? And, and it was because we went so deep in a place um, for the long term and we walked alongside people. Um, and it, could we mobilize the body of Christ on this side um, to go deep in a place? And, um, you know, I'm a, uh, back in my, business day you know i've read i'm a big good to great guy yeah, uh, yeah. and i just love Jim the Collins. whole idea of a hedgehog being best in the world at something and um well that just resonated with me and i just felt like i had an idea how to go do that and so that made for another very interesting conversation at home because the dumpster fire is still raging i mean <laughs> right i mean eric is like we, we just took our eight yeah. nine ten year old <laughs> yeah right on a mission trip you without any support now. from a church we're or at least else. yeah we're at least stabilized at this point but we still have all the debt and ah, all of that can i just say god bless you erica you are an amazing she's amazing woman she's yeah. amazing she's can we talk about her for the next 20 minutes i can be happy to um and so uh i went back to lanny and i said uh i said lanny that idea that you have about mobilizing people here, I, I didn't have that part of the idea, but uh, this whole idea of going deep in a place and actually moving the needle uh, is really compelling to me. And uh, if I could be so bold, you just don't strike me as the kind of guy that could, that could pull that off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Challenge. And he, he laughed and he said, uh, you're right. I don't. I, I'm an, I, kind of an idea guy and I just uh, look for people to help make those ideas better and make them happen. And, uh, you know, he's a really super creative guy. And, um, yeah, so, uh, long and short of it is, um, we raised a little bit of money, uh, from one guy who was kind of illustrated this idea on a napkin. Um, and he gave us enough money for a year and I quit my job and, uh, we started the 410 bridge in September of 2006. And, wow. uh, yeah. And now, uh, you know, today we're in four, actually five countries, um, impacting hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people with water and education and economic development. And I can tell you more about that in a minute. But so that was the launch of, of 410 and how I got to the place of launching 410 Bridge. How many, uh, tell us about the team, high, high level, how many How many employees do you have? And tell us the, the countries that you're in. So we're, uh, the countries are, uh, we started in Kenya in mm-hmm. 2006. So we're in East Africa and Kenya and Uganda. Uh, we launched into uh, Haiti uh, in 2010 hmm. and we've been in Guatemala since, uh, 2016. So those four countries, we also have a presence in Canada, but, uh, now we're also looking to expand into other countries, but, uh, right now those are the four that we're in. So we've been working in about 50 plus communities at this point where we adopt entire communities and we walk alongside entire communities of people establishing local leadership to lead the effort. Uh, they kind of drive the priorities and the initiatives in those communities and, um, move them up from a place of extreme poverty to a place where they have choices and can sustain their own continued development without us. We basically are trying to work ourselves out of a job um, as quickly as we can. We've got about 20 to 23, I guess, maybe employees here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and 100 plus uh, worldwide. Wow, that is so cool. It's amazing what you've yeah, done in 14, 14 years. 
14, 15 years, yeah. right? Yeah, it's not the years, it's the miles. <laughs> <laughs> well, we yeah. want to wrap up this. We're going we're gonna to make this a two-parter on the podcast. We're going to wrap up this first part um, because that, that story was so awesome. We didn't mm-hmm. want to... We didn't want to divide it um, in the middle of the story, except for for man hacks. <laughs> we'll divide anything for man hacks. And I did such a good job yeah, introducing you nailed, that, didn't you I? You absolutely nailed it, Doug. I'm so proud of you. I was looking you. for affirmation. Thank you for um, that. And, lean, in, lean. and in part two, we'll jump into a little more of the practical. So now what do we do? We're not all called to build brick buildings. We're not all called to um, start start something um, like you've started. So what do we do? But as we close this one, um, I do want to think about what, if you were looking back to um, Kirk Candler 15 years ago and and things that he could be thinking about mm-hmm. or um, having conversations with the men um, in your groups or in your life um, about taking I don't know, the first steps toward um, being more active or more engaged in, in what you were called to do. What What is that first question um, that guys should be mulling over thinking about? So a little more context, and this is a, a bit of a um, raw, transparent kind of point, but, you know, back when I was running my own business and I've always... I've started up businesses throughout my career. Like I said, I don't make a very good employee, so I've always <laughs> I've always done my own thing. And the business that I, I had at the time, I was in a I was in a, in a Christian CEO peer group, and I love those guys, and they're I'm still friends with some of them. But um, you know, when my business was going off the cliff, I was making decisions uh, in hindsight that were that were poor, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, shouldn't shouldn't have made them. And the thing I recognized after I um, kind of had left the business that day, you know, when you walk out and you realize it is over and you've just had to lay off a bunch of people and there's no more hope. And now you've created this dumpster fire of lots of debt and no income, all of these things, right? When I finally got a chance to settle in and reflect, uh, I'm reflecting back on that group. And uh, I went back to every one of them in that group. And I said, did you see that coming? Did you see Mm -hmm. the decisions I was making uh, that were poor? And the most of them that were willing to, you know, be transparent said, yeah, yeah, I did. Wow. Why didn't you say something? Why didn't you say something? Yeah. Um, and they didn't say anything because out of fear. Sure. Um, they didn't say anything because, uh, out of uncertainty, maybe they're wrong. Um, I, I don't, they but, didn't have they permission. Didn't, ah, they had permission. It was an accountability group. Yeah. I mean, but for some reason, permission. they, they didn't, didn't feel like they had permission. And so I look back and then I've been asked to join a lot of CEO groups now since in the last 15 years. And I, would, I was actually thinking about starting one for nonprofit guys, uh, CEOs of nonprofits, because I think it's a very different sure. animal where we could, I mean, no fooling. Uh, hold each other accountable where we have, we've given permission and we have the ability to, and a love for each other to make sure that we don't have anybody drive their ministries off a cliff. And it's really tough to do that. Most of these, I think, um, peer groups are uh, way or more superficial than I would personally want them to be. And I'm so, it's a hot button for me. It's a, it's a, it's a raw point for me to get men 
in groups, in small groups, to give permission of accountability to somebody and have them hold you accountable, even when it's not, when, when, when it comes at great risk. This is absolutely huge because what you were just saying there is like, those guys had permission, but still no one mm-hmm. said anything is, is where a ton of us are. Like, oh yeah, I've got guys, they've got permission, but probably a red flag should be if no one in the group has asked something that you didn't want to answer or something challenging in how long, six months, two months, um, then probably they, they might not know they have permission or they might not want to ask a hard question in fear of having a hard question be asked back. Um, but there should be, there should be some challenging. And if there's not, um, that, that should be a flag. So I'm, I'm currently being coached by a guy that I just think is the wisest, one of the wisest men I've ever known. I just, I just love the guy. He's been working with me for the last year and I'm just really super grateful. And I shared that story with him and he does a lot of, uh, obviously coaching with, with groups of men and all that. And he uses that now, that story as a, an example for what he does not want in his mm-hmm. groups. Yes. And because we are so, as men, I think we're so comfortable hiding behind a facade of, um, kind of figuratively punching each other in the shoulder sure. and, you know, asking closed ended questions, not mm-hmm. open ended questions, not prepared to share financials, share uh, personal information that can reveal decisions um, that uh, you may be making that are, are unwise or wrong or taking you off a cliff that you don't see. And the last thing you want, I think, is for a business or a ministry to go over the cliff before mm-hmm. you can step back and reflect that you weren't being held accountable like you thought you were. Or a marriage or a family. A marriage, right. or, or any of that. Right. Oh, any yeah. Of that. My Absolutely. story just happens to be in that. And Absolutely. And it's so timely right now, too, because a lot of the guys that are listening have been in group now for months. They launched in August, and there's a lot of guys that are listening that have been in a men's group for for years. And it's a new year, and it's just like, man, what a great time to sit here and go, hey, brother, I've been sitting on this for a while, but I want to share this with you because I love you and I care about you. This is something I see going on in your marriage or with your kids or in your job or in our relationship as buddies that I think you should pay attention to and owning it for yourself to say, Hey, what's the thing I'm missing? What, what's the, what is the thing that I'm avoiding in our conversations? What, what do you hear? I feel like I, I know the guys or I have at least a guy in my life who will say, um, like, Hey Lee, I know it's your tendency to listen. Mm. You will default to listening every time and you will, you'll help me and you'll ask me the questions to get into my, get into my stuff. Um, now tell me what's really going on with you. It's great. You know, all right. That's great about your work. That's great about your family. What's going on in your heart. Yeah. And it's huge. And I would, I would even for, for me personally, I, uh, you know, and it's not a lot of guys, you know, you have one or two, right. A very few, but asking the hard questions of, and when's the last time you took your wife on a date? Mm-hmm. That's Where right. did you go? What did you talk about? Are you listening to her? Are you, when's the last time you took your kids to breakfast or you spent time with your kids? You play golf every Saturday. When's the last time you just decided not to do that and surprise your kid? Or whatever it, it might be, uh, you gotta, I think you gotta be in a relationship that allows you to ask open-ended questions, not closed-ended yes or no's, but open-ended questions that really require some transparency in order to 
find out if you're going off a cliff or not. Because mm-hmm. um, oh, it's just wow. a minor, minor adjustments <laughs> that are necessary. And, it's uh, so good. That is so good. So guys, take a step, um, ask a question, uh, put it out there in some sort of way because the a huge part of the value of doing life with other men and moving toward the life that you want to live um, is is exactly in the context of what Kurt was just explaining. Um, we, we need um, not only to ask our close guys those questions, but we need to have guys asking us those questions. Um, so own that. Take a step. Make a move. So, guys, we will continue the conversation in part two. Thank you for listening. Definitely take a step because that's what we're talking about. But we're going to talk more about it um, on the next episode. As always, please subscribe. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.